Orthodox Arts Festival podcast, Christian podcast to inspire, educate, and entertain an emerging global Christian community. Welcome to Inspirational Entertainment. Hello everyone, this is Orthodox Arts Festival. I have a special treat for you today. We have joined with St. Elizabeth's Convent in Belarus, who will present their work at this year's Orthodox Arts Festival. My name is Ioannis Antoniadis. And my guest today uh, is Sister Anastasia from St. Elizabeth Convent in Minsk in Belarus. Hello, Sister Anastasia. Welcome Hello, to the Orthodox Arts Festival. It's a great Thank pleasure. Thank you so much for your welcoming. <laughs> the same here. Thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, uh, dear Sister, the convent is taking part in the festival for the second time. The convent choir won the chanting competition last year and will compete again this year in the iconography, chanting, and filming categories. Could you please tell us about the convent's history and patron sense? The convent's history is unusual because it started not as a religious community, first of all, but as a lay community of lay sisters who followed a very, you know, burning Christian uh, father of ours, Father Andrew Limishonak, back in 1994. So first of all, uh, they started to go to the hospitals, following the advice of the elder that, you know, through the prayers of sick people, you will find your salvation. And so their lay people, usual parishioners, followed the priest going to the psychiatric clinic and boarding homes for mentally challenged and physically disabled children and adults. So in two years doing this ministry, uh, sisterhood grew up and was registered back in 1996. The sisterhood took the name of the um, Saint Elizabeth, the new martyr Romanova, uh, because the sisterhood did very similar work that the you know Holy Duchess of Russia did during her lifetime in Saint Mary and Martha Convent in Moscow. We do our work in Minsk, Belarus. Our convent is built on the premises of the psychiatric clinic. So from 1996, more than 200 sisters, lay sisters, sisters of mercy, wearing white habits like I do, continued to go to the hospitals, giving love, consolation, and attention to people who suffered there. And priests would regularly join them to give confession and regular communion to patients. And they saw the difference. Three years later, on 22nd of August, 1999, uh, three lay sisters from the sisterhood gave their monastic vows and became nuns. Metropolitan Philaret of all Belarus and the Slavl took their monastic vows and blessed not just build a church on the premises of the psychiatric clinic, but actually to open a convent. So it was a very responsible, but still stressful, you know, honor for Father Andrew and the first sisters, because having nothing, not even a penny to start it, how can you do? But again, their advice of Holy Elder from Russia, spiritual father of our Father Andrew Limishonak, was very necessary. He gave five Russian rubles. This Russian banknote has a church on it with the words, I give you the first donation, people will give you the rest. And this happened. People gave the rest. You know, every brick of our convent is someone's donation for the prayers for themselves or their loved ones. That's how, you know, for these 23 years nowadays, we have a proper convent with more than 130 monastic sisters. And we have the largest in our country sisterhood, which coexists with the monastic community. Our lay community counts about 400 lay sisters. And, you know, during these years, seeing that um, our ministry requires spiritual help, but also their, hello, yeah. but also it requires their money to give help to all these people whom we attend. We started to open workshops when the talented people would come to us saying that I want to help, what can I do? 
and you know knowing uh asking what can you actually do and learning that many people are artists or they participate in construction of the buildings or they can sew or, and do different stuff different crafts we opened for these years over 40 workshops professional ones where what people can do workshops yeah more than 40 everything everything and you know we have this um atmosphere of creativity nobody is limited when you want to try something new you're very welcome just the main thing is that you do it for god and for other people and not just uh, you know following your ambitions so nowadays we have more than 1000 people who are working in our workshops many of these people are disabled or mentally challenged and have a difficulty to find a job in their city at normal you know secular world and so these workshops are also in some way ministries where people can realize their possibilities and at the same time feed themselves and their families wow that's incredible i mean this this reminds me saint basil the 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 Basilias, the very famous little town that he created. So I, I imagine this is probably the template that uh, you are you trying to imitate. Yes, and also there is experience of Saint John of Kronstadt, who did the labor houses, where people who are poor, homeless, or struggling with different physical, mental diseases or life circumstances, they could go there, learn a profession and stay and work there so they could survive learn some skills and you know earn for their own life so our labor houses where uh, our workshops are are something like this too so you know our orthodox world have such a rich experience and tradition that we don't have to invent anything new we should just you know follow our fathers and learn from them so it is a blessing for us, isn't it, Ioannis? It is, it is a great blessing. Tell us a little bit about the choice. I mean, I can see the connection with St. Elizabeth and St. John of Kronstadt, uh, but can you tell us a little bit why you chose those two saints to be the, pat the patrons uh, of, um, of the convent? Yes, uh, the convent is named the same as our sisterhood after St. Elizabeth, the great Duchess Romanova. Uh, when the sisters look back nowadays with Father Andrew and think, how did it happen? What were the discussions? How did they come to this conclusion? They cannot really bring the formula and uh, it was just clear. It was just clear who is the patroness of our convent. And, uh, you know, nowadays they come to conclusion that it's not us who chose St. Elizabeth to be patron saint. It, it is actually her chose us to follow her work that she started on the earth, being alive in St. Martha and Mary convent, well, but to do it here in Minsk and Belarus. This is the only maybe it's illogical but that's the only conclusion that we ca can come to because as i said it was really clear and uh you know nobody planned a convent here the plan maximum was to build a church so here behind me there is a psychiatric clinic be behind these gates and people here there are two thousand people who get treatment there it is the largest institutions and all the time they can come up here to these gates make the uh, sign of cross stand here facing the church of saint john of shanghai and san francisco which is behind me and pray people need god and so whether god will leave his people when they really need him he will just and it is also our blessing that he chose us to be used as vessels to give help to these people. And I believe as long as we are going to continue our ministries, God will, you know, provide and bless us with the meanings, with the people who will come and help because, you know, having all these ministries plus two shelters for men and women who are homeless, ex-prisoners, ex-drug addicted, and ex-alcoholics,
um, than having Orthodox school in our convent, uh, having visiting nurse service and so on and so forth. We extremely <laughs> need a lot of people, faithful people who will come and put their soul in this and who will be of one heart and one mind. Otherwise it's impossible. But as long as we will continue and dare to take new and new projects on us, Lord will provide. That's for sure. Uh, That's our experience. Are there other convents following that type of, um, you know, some kind of module, some kind of uh, uh, archetype of uh, St. Elizabeth's, um, St. Martha, the, the convents initiated did anybody else had the courage to take on in Russia or, you know, as far as you know? As far else? as I know, I, I cannot answer for Russia, but I can answer for Belarus. That's unusual for the convents. So no, we are the one like this, with such an active, uh, outgoing programs in our convent. And plus such, so, so many multiple programs, because it's not just one category of people that we help, but the, there are multiple categories of people that we help. And that's, that's very unusual. And uh, I think it's not right to compare different convents or to expect to find the same kind of work in other convents. We have a Russian proverb, don't go with your charter to another convent. So you live according to your charter, but don't dictate others according to what charter to live. You know, as I said, our history, how we appeared is unusual. We started as a mission, as going out from the main cathedral, uh, lay parishioners, lay sisters going to the hospitals. And in some way, God led us. And in five years, since the beginning of this ministry and mission, he blessed us with the convent. So it's wrong to expect it from other convents. They have their own charisma, let's say, their own mission. And uh, first of all, uh, the convent and the sisters are supposed to pray for the whole world. And as far as they accomplish this, this is already wonderful because all this world is standing on the prayers of the holy people and uh, of the monastics, you know ascetics, etc., our holy fathers who still exist, of course, in the world. So we don't have such a convent anymore in Belarus, but about Russia, I cannot really tell. And even, I know you know, one in Greece. Uh, I, I know you know one be, in Greece. Yeah, I know used to be the, it's a, used to be something quite common uh, for uh, nuns to um, tend uh, hospitals Exactly. Quite often that was the case, uh, but uh, has been replaced by, you know, the new system, health system, and I think things went exactly. downwards since that happened. Instead of improving, it became so much money orientated, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's a terrible. The, the state of uh, of Greek hospitals or British hospitals are really in a terrible state right now. But uh, I, what you do is uh, quite extraordinary. And thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, is, it thank possible, you so much. is it possible to, to show us a little bit around of the work of the various art workshops, just to have a little taste uh, for our viewers? Do you mean to show you a little bit around our convent? Yes. Inside, yeah, let me, yeah, especially let me... the workshops. The workshops are not here. They are placed a little bit outside of Minsk. So there ah. is a driving distance. Yes, we have videos of these workshops, but okay. all I can show is just around the convent right okay, now, okay, if it's okay. Yeah. Yes, I will, I will switch to another camera to show you. So I was walking around St. John of Shanghai Church. This is the latest church of our convent, and it was... Um, consecrated in June 2019. Here it is. St. John of Shanghai was very close to our convent and sisters from the very beginning of our convent. We knew about this saint and as you know, he always came to people in the hospitals. So it was only proper to build his church right next to the psychiatric clinic and to, be, and to make this church as a clinic church. This building, are the cells of our nuns. 
as I mentioned, we have more than 130 What a small building that they are occupying. We have really little space here, but you know, even being a few sisters per one cell, they are still happy and blessed. So now- it's Quite a, a jewel for Minsk, I imagine. Uh, it's, uh, Minsk is a little bit more austere uh, place. And I imagine having that, uh, this beautiful convent must be quite, they must be very pleased having something like that. Yes, you know, we have beautiful church architecture in Minsk as well as in Russia, but this area next to the psychiatric clinic was um, not very liked and uh, people didn't want to come here because everyone saw that you will only meet here crazy people, which is not <laughs> true. So uh, having a convent and the architecture here, the oh, apartment so buildings are just ugly, I would say. So. Our convent is a little island of beauty because sisters work really hard to make it beautiful. This is our little pond and this is a church of Mother of God reigning. The icon which appeared in Russia when Tsar Nicholas II had to sign the document that he is not a Tsar anymore. So this is our largest church for Sunday liturgies. It is really beautiful, especially inside. Do you right house, uh, uh, sister, do you house any relics in the, in the convent? Yes, we have uh, almost 400 uh, pieces of relics of different saints. Uh, many of them are inserted inside of the icons, you know, in such a, a small reliquary. But many of them are in the altar because we don't have the icons of all these saints. So we are really blessed. And even Father Peter Perikriostov from uh, San Francisco brought a piece of relic of St. John, which we are very proud of and very happy that we have him. This white church is Church of St. Elizabeth. It is white because St. Elizabeth loved white color, the purity, beauty color. So everything is white inside of this church. And oh, your icon so is in this, in this church. Yes, it has a high staircase that leads to the church. So this is it. The bell tower is on the left from the church. And the bells are ringing at 9 a.m., 6 p.m., and 9 p.m. Here it is. The building on the left from the St. Elizabeth's Church is our school. It is the first and only Orthodox school in our country because uh, the schools should be public in Belarus. And when they are private, like ours, they still should follow the regular curriculum. And it was a big struggle to um, also insert some religious subjects in their curriculum. But we managed to do this. Age, even in this age, you had difficulty after all this. <laughs> that has happened during yes. the Soviet era. Yes, yes, yes. Our state, our state is a secular state. Mm -hmm. So in this tower, we have a small chapel for children. Uh, it is on the top floor. So they can have Malebian there. I remember one priest from Russia came to visit us. Uh, he is a priest, higher monk. Uh, from the male's monastery. And he said, our father Andrew, that, you know, father, <laughs> of course, I appreciate the beauty, but I think you still overdid with the beauty of your convent that it could be all more modest, simpler, without all these, you know, uh, many decorative elements, etc. that, you know, it's simply too beautiful. <laughs> On what Father Andrew answers that, you know, we are a women's monastery and it makes a difference. Women, I usually tend to 
you know, to decorate everything. Plus, we do it not for ourselves. We do it for the Lord. So, ah, poor that's people, our principle. Poor people, yes. I mean, also poor people, uh, they actually, they don't have enough beauty in their homes. And they get inspired. They find peace and uh, relaxation and stimulation. I mean, for centuries, people, they were, they had nothing. And uh, going to churches, to listening, the chanting and see the beautiful uh, paintings, uh, you know, the frescoes yes. and the icons was just the highlight of the week and uh, their lives. And they, you know, without churches, you know, would have been no art in the world. Yes, that's what Father Andrew tells us, that when um, in the 90s years, after the Soviet Union, after the breakdown, when they started to renew the cathedral from which they started, it was downtown in Minsk, St. Peter and Paul Cathedral. He said that people had nothing, they were poor. That's why we didn't know how to build the church, not even the convent, because people were poor. But they brought everything to the church. They didn't ask for money, but they came every evening to clean to, you know, to remove dust from the uh, church. They spent, they gave their money, they gave their time to the church, and they didn't even expect anything back. And he said, this is right. That felt so right. And they were able to do a lot of things. So I want to show you inside of our Mother of God church. Okay, I'm not let's sure hope the Wi-Fi will allow us to do that. <laughs> No, no, it, it should, it should. It, it okay. was consecrated in 2008. Patriarch of Moscow, Alexis II, 40 days before, before he died, he came to our church to consecrate it. So it was a special blessing. The this last is our... in the world, the last great deed. That's wonderful. Yes, I will show you around this church and we will go inside. We've just wow. had their mission. Oh, I'm sorry. We've just had their mission. And yes, you do follow the old calendar just to inform our viewers. Uh, we are following, uh, it's a two weeks difference, I think, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. 13 days. 13 yes. days. We celebrate 13 days later. So we just celebrated their mission on Sunday. And this is the plate which signed. Patriarch Alexis II, when he came to concentrate, uh, to con, uh, concent, uh, con, oh my God, I forgot the word. <laughs> the convent, yeah. Yeah, the church, the church itself in 2008. So this is the That's entrance. Beautiful. Everything you see here is made in our convent, everything. The woodwork, the metal work, the iconography, their mosaic, the frescoes, everything. We are very, very blessed that people come and serve the Lord in such a way. The vestments of the church. And this is the main hall of the church. So beautiful. So beautiful. Yes. Let me show you the mosaic. Yes, it's so beautiful. God. I can like I can only imagine how it feels in the sand and everything there must feel wonderful. I hope one day in my yes. life when everything is is over that uh, I'll be able to visit and and pay my respects to your lovely convent. For sure, you will be very much welcomed. We will host you here and you know pay a lot of attention to you so you can come and see everything, including uh, the workshops their you know the farmsteads okay. and here is a clearest where the nuns are singing yes i wanted to ask you about the about the choir i mean the monastery has a renowned choir can you please tell us a little bit more about it um again our parishioners are really spoiled because whatever choir is singing in our convent it is a good choir uh, we have male choir, we have 
sisters, lay sisters choir. We have a monastic choir and we have non-professional uh, mixed choir where men and women are singing. And we have children's choir recently. Uh, they started to sing alongside with other choirs in our convent about uh, one, one and a half years ago. So all of our choirs are unique in a sense that, you know, everyone, every presenter or choir director, they try to put their personality and soul in the choir, in the music that they are choosing. At the same time, they try not to overdo. So it's not about the music, but about the prayer. So people are not distracted from the prayer, but actually can concentrate, yet to be lifted. Because sometimes when choirs are singing not too well, you get distracted all the time that, oh, they miss the note, or there is some not very good notes that they took. But we try, you know, let people relax, enjoy, but at the same time not to forget about where they are and what they are doing. Yeah. So... I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard lesson to teach to the West where the choirs are meant to bring people's attention to the, just the music. <laughs> and the, instead of uh, getting to focus in your prayer, you just get what the, in, in Greece they call meteorism, where your <laughs> mind is just floating in a cloud of, uh, of pleasantries and uh, <laughs> you just, you've lost the, the whole idea of why you are... Uh, where you are, where you are, and uh, and it is a, it is something that the West hasn't really realized uh, how how church choir works and what is its purpose. But uh, thank God, uh, the Orthodoxy still keeps that intact. I mean, most of them, but not everyone. <laughs> I know. Yes, we just had a very good experience because in the beginning of 1990s, when the church life started to revive. Uh, in our main cathedral in Minsk, where our spiritual father, Father Andrew, started to serve as a guard first, then he became the deacon, then he became the priest. So when he was there, he remembers as our metropolitan philaret, when the doors of the cathedral were finally open for the parishioners, they decided, let's find professional, good musicians who will be such a choir that all Minsk will be you know, floating to, to cathedral to be during the liturgy. Let's find it. Okay. They started to search for, uh, for the choir members, professional musicians only. They promised them a salary so they would be paid, you know, more attraction to it. So they got the choir. It was, you know, brilliant choir. It was, you know, top of tops. And what do you think? When they started to sing during the first liturgy, Metropolitan Philaret felt there is no grace. They are singing for singing. They're Prima trying donna. to overdo each other, but there is no grace. And, you know, during this liturgy, he said to other priests that we are, you know, just dismissing this choir. No, we better take the old ladies from the villages who can barely sing, but who will do, you know, all their best, who will work hard to please the Lord. And that was our lesson from the very beginning. And we try not to make this mistake again. I, I'm aware about these tendencies of many. Um, yeah, I, I'm aware. Being, uh, being in the festival has opened my eyes on many different things. And I'm probably yeah. quite an experience uh, in seeing what I'm seeing. And, um, but it, it's the good thing is... People, they hear this and they remind it of what's important. And whoever had gone astray, they have an opportunity to return back to the straight and narrow path uh, of, uh, of orthodoxy. And it is, it is a good opportunity to see how properly things are done, even if they are more Slavonic or Byzantine, or, you know, they are more, right now, the American friends of us, they try to create uh, something that is, it reflects the, you know, the cultural 
element that brings binds people together in their country where they borrow exactly. techniques as they are multicultural kind of exactly uh, you know and they just bind things together uh, they have to find their way many people right now they're trying to find their way to please exactly. the lord but also to be understood and appreciated by so many different types of of uh, you know of people that they're coming to them yeah. Yes, exactly. This is the richness, the variety. Our Lord created all these, all these traditions. So all the nations have their way in orthodoxy. This is precious. <laughs> um, tell, me, uh, tell me, as a convent, are you facing any particular difficulties at this moment? What do you mean? What kind of difficulties? Difficulties, uh, I mean, uh, there are all manner of difficulties. It could be difficulties that arise because of uh, uh, of the politics uh, right now or there might be some kind of disease like the COVID uh, or something else. Uh, do you actually have financial difficulties? Uh, I mean, in Greece right now, everything is just, uh, it's really difficult. And uh, I mean, I don't know many other countries. I know in Africa is terrible. Um, the, the, search, the situation over there is just, as I had an interview with uh, Bishop Agathonikos in, of Tanzania, and oh God, it's heartbreaking to to hear all manner of things. Yeah. And I know every every uh, every organization, every um, every Orthodox organization right now faces challenges. And so I'm asking you, what is the particular challenges uh, the convent faces in its effort to help all those uh, people? Yes, <laughs> um, if we didn't have any difficulties, any temptations, that would mean that we do something wrong. <laughs> it is just normal in our world to have all these difficulties because the adversary of the mankind is always trying to prevent other people to do good. So their difficulties are constant in everything. Of course, you know, the financial situation, the politics right now, uh, the world really turned their back towards us. Not towards just Russia, but to Belarus as well. And it is very sad to see how people quick to judge, quick to make conclusions. And, um, you know, but that teaches us, that teaches us what is human nature. At the same time, it teaches us that you shouldn't be the same. Uh, you know, Lord teaches us uh, who we should follow and take an example of, at the same time, whom we shouldn't follow and whose example we shouldn't take. So it is all very educational and necessary. Um, you know, when in the beginning of the convent, when we started just to build it in uh, 1990. Uh, six, we started to build the church, and in 1999, we started to build the convent itself. There were such big temptations. The government wouldn't allow us to build these. The government wouldn't allow us to have this plot of land, etc., etc. The convent, uh, the government wanted to take some of our lands that was already allocated for us, and so on and so forth. Our sisters and Father Andrew. In response to these difficulties, try to have a cross procession around the grounds of the convent every evening with wow. the icon of Saint Nicholas, the wonder worker, in the head of procession. And you know what? All these difficulties, one by one, were resolved in a very strange but favorable manner. So since then, so maybe 1999 or a little bit later, every single day in the evening after the vigil, we have a cross procession all around the perimeter of our convent. And it does help. When did, you do that, we... uh, did you do that during the COVID? The COVID uh, the oh, yes, time. yes, yes. During the COVID times, nothing changed in our convent. We were criticized by some people by some countries where it was very strict the churches were closed so some people who followed in the same spirit to these uh, limits of this era 
they criticized us. Other people who were lonely, scared, and depressed, sitting at home and not sure what will be tomorrow, they were on the verge of their businesses to be shut, shut down. They couldn't go to the church, it was closed. They couldn't talk to the priest, only on the phone. They didn't know what will be tomorrow and if tomorrow will come at all. They really appreciated finding our live streams from Mother of God Iranian Church, seeing them and seeing that people are not wearing masks. People are standing next to each other day by day, month by month, and they're not dying. <laughs> they are standing, they are praying, and they saw that we continue to commune from one spoon. It's a matter of faith. So, of course, conversation didn't change. I agree. It is one body and it should be one spoon, one table. That is, that is what uh, God, uh, what our Lord meant. This is what I also believe is one body, one spoon, one table, one cup for all. Because it's just Christ, really. It's just, we are all one. We are his body. And I agree with that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, I don't criticize people for doing. No, no, no. Different. We are not. But this is the way I understand, uh, but without really judging them for. But this is what exactly. I personally believe, and uh, exactly. and I may be wrong to assume that, but this is what my simple mind thinks about uh, about those things. You know, we we cannot. Uh, we are in such a early state in our spiritual bonding that uh, it's not so difficult for the adversary to pull us apart we are babies you know you can take our candies from our hands you can take you know the grace so easily can be taken away because he can and we are just so weak we are just babies you know and yes. uh, and he he can but Thank you for being a little bit more faithful than us. And, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> it's not that, you know, many people are also faithful. Those who appeared without church, they're also faithful. And sometimes their faith even grew inside them. And now they're better Christians than they were before. It's not that. But I want to say as a part of our convent, as a parishioner of it as well, that um, we are forced we are strong when we are together. If we were divided by ourselves, locked in our houses, apartments alone, we, would be, we wouldn't be so faithful and so strong. It is the strength exactly in our unity. That's what other people should remember as well. The devil wants to uh, disunite us and rule us. And yes. the God, yes. he is actually, you know, unites us, puts us all together. Then we are strong. We are body of Christ. We are our, bo our bonding is not neither our language or our nationality is Christ. And this exactly. is our, our exactly. identity card. Our identity card is that we are Christians. And our identity is that we are all inside of us. We have the body and blood of Christ with our communion and our thinking of him. And I think this is how we will be united once more, not because the politicians or the nation exactly. have allowed this. It is because we have clear in our minds that we are really together in this, no matter where we are. Exactly. Amen. Amen to Amen. these words. <laughs> so tell me, sister, are you currently working on any new or, you know, a kind of project that is... Um, it has come the last year or you know you've been working something new building something new or new unusual type of workshops or something a charity different charity mm -hmm. um you know uh, however many bad things covid brought but strangely it brought some good things as well uh i'm one of the sisters who traveled to the United States and to Europe to represent our convent, to bring our beautiful religious articles for sale, to make the orders of foreign priests and to deliver it to them. So we were never here. Those who could speak languages, we were traveling a lot and COVID stopped us. We yeah. just stayed in our country and there was a big question, will our missionary work outside of our country exist or not? But then the good thing is that we finally got time to develop 
our official English website, French website, German website. And then we were able finally to develop our social networks and start the project. We didn't want to stop to communicate with our friends. We have friends all over the world, especially the United States, Great Britain, Germany and France. So we started the project sending weekly emails telling about the feast that we celebrate important dates for the convent, our missionary work that we do, our social projects. So this is really, really a big amount of work and a big project that we started during 2020, the COVID year. And, and it is more or less <laughs> developed. We developed our English YouTube, finally. We yes. translate the homilies of our priests, articles, and so it's a big, a big amount of work. Plus, I will switch my camera again now. Okay. You see the building on the background with their tower. Yeah. It is there, yeah. this building. This is our exhibition center. It's a long, oh. long project. And we couldn't finish it for many, many years because, you know, it required a lot of money. But Father Andrew, he understands that, you know, working with uh, vulnerable people is, of course, important in the hospitals. But we very often forget about the young generation who are our future. And they are left on their own. They don't have really Christian way of living. They don't have Christian free time spending. They just lost. So these... Uh, exhibition center and social center is supposed to serve as a place, artistic place, where we will oh. attract their young children, their school children, and the youth uh, to spend their free time. We have big, big projects for it to have some theatrical, you know, uh, courses for them to do some handwork in their free time to come and be part of the uh, convent, to stop thinking that orthodoxy is only for the old people or for the, you know, uneducated people, how our Belarusian people sometimes think or outside of the church. It's so a, this- the common, the common uh, old Soviet era kind of yes. concept that yes. is creeping, creeping into, has, cre has been replaced by liberal kind of- uh, Yes attitude in the west uh, so yeah i mean a lot of people think that uh, christians equal uh, uneducated yes. ignorant fools <laughs> yes yes so we want to let them know that it's not true and uh, we just opened the doors of the center on the 28th of august and so we still have a lot a lot of work to do to let people know that there is such a center, that they can feel home in this center. I will expect, uh, dear never sister, be bored. I will expect, dear sister, from you a, a lovely video uh, of the of the actually activities inside that center, uh, so I can put it in uh, in the Heavenly Path News, uh, where uh, I would like to present uh, what you do. That would be wonderful for people like Maybe not this year, I mean, yes, but hopefully next year. Yes, when it's developed, when we have the groups, because, yeah, it's a lot of work ahead it, of it us. It is a very challenging year for all of us this year. <laughs> we have to go through it. <laughs> yes, and you know what? We really want people know that it is possible to start any activity from zero, that it is possible to help other people. That's why we share. That's why we tell. We're open to share any experience we have. Just we want other people to do something like this in their churches, in their countries. How many uh, American churches and parishioners were inspired by the work we do. How many of them would like to have the same sisterhood where they would do, you know, some work because they want to do for God something, but on yeah. their own, they don't know what they can do except of, you know, giving some money to the poor person they meet on the street. So they really wanted it, but it requires so much work. And of course, a priest who will be in 
as a head of this. Otherwise, I don't think it will be possible. There will, should be someone be who takes the responsibility. It will be possible, like Father Ephraim did in Arizona, and he built 12 monasteries uh, with no money, not speaking English. I'm sure an inspired leader will appear from time to time to trigger all these yeah. things to, to, to take place. It happens all again and again. By God's grace, everything is possible. Now, as a last question, uh, sure. sister, I was wondering what advice you would give to aspiring girls who are thinking to join a convent? To join the convent as monastic sister? Uh, I imagine that probably will be, uh, you know, something that, uh, actually both. That's a good question. As a layman, because in your case, it can be done. It and, is possible, uh, yes. It is possible, and also as a, as, um, uh, as a nun. You know, um, every one of us have a personal communication with God. God talks to our heart, to every our heart. And there is no need to, to have a strong spiritual father or even an elder to hear the will of God. Any one of us can have it because God is with us all the time. He is inside of us, in our heart. So the main thing is to pu purify our heart, to let God be there and lead us. Um, you know, not everyone have a convent near the area where they live. But it is already a blessing to have at least a church. But so, because some people have to travel many, many hours to the nearest church. So it is already a blessing if you have your church. So uh, as Father Andrew encourages us, that even if you have struggles in your present period of life, when you have lack of faith at the moment, but be persistent, confess and commune regularly. Even if you have any doubts, and even if your faith is shaken at the moment, still confess and commune, and this period will pass. When you have a convent near you, it is already a blessing to come there, stay for a few days to pray, and ask for obedience, to do at least a little, you know, obedience there, is already doing something for God. You don't get money for it. So it's really for the benefit of your soul. And uh, of course, I don't have an answer uh, to the question that, you know, girls should uh, join the convent because, you know, I'm a lay person. How can I tell? But when I visited Greek monastery in uh, Dunlap and spoke to Mother Markella, do you know her? No, no, I'm, no. It's in California. Uh, she also knew Elder Ephraim, and she was also a spiritual child in some way of uh, St. Joseph the Hesychus. Uh, she told me that, and I think this advice is not just for me, but for every, every woman, and maybe a man. She told me that how to choose your path, monasticism or the married life. She says that if you feel abundant love in your heart, which is overflowing on everyone, only then go to the monastery. She repeated it 10 times in different phrases again and again. Only if you have abundant love in your heart, when you think about the monastery, only then go there, no otherwise. And about the married life, she says that you know, don't ser search it yourself. If your husband will come to you, you will understand that's him, then you get married. Otherwise, why you worry? So this was your advice that I followed. And I think it's a very precious advice for everyone because the monasticism is a calling. People are not running away to the monastery after unhappy life. Then they will be even more unhappier. It's not a place to run away from the world. Opposite, our nuns find out that actually they thought that coming to the monastery, they will be completely cut off from the world. No, the world finds them there. And the life is even more active for them in some way. That's 
that's strange, but that's what they found, that you cannot just retire from the world. world will find you anywhere. So when you go to the monastery, it is because there is a calling, because you love everybody, because, you know, in your secular life, you only have your family members whom you know from your childhood, and you want or not, but you love them. They're your family. You know them. They know you. You have your characters, but still you are together. Come into the monastery, your family grows significantly. In our case, it's 130. And you have to live with all these people in love, in patience. It's, a, it's much harder. So convent is a special place. And uh, also there is a superstition from lay people that in convent live holy people. Oh no, nuns are not holy people. They are the same people as we are with their character, with their you know, emotions, hard times, but these people were brave enough to try to live angelic life. And at least they said yes to the Lord and until the rest of their lives, they will be trying. Uh, and, you know, they need a lot of prayers as well. And, you know, uh, people, say, uh, people say that there is a saying that a secular person is tempted by one uh, demon. And the monastic attempted by seven demons. That means that they have more grace as well because they're able to, you know, to sustain it and to fight with these seven demons. So, you know, let's pray for each other and pray that every person in this world will find this his path, which will bring him or her to salvation. That's more important. Sister Anastasia. We thank you very much for taking the time to tell us about the convent and your work you so over much. there. To all of our Orthodox viewers, from St. Elizabeth's convent and Ioannis Antoniades, thank you for watching.